It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe Podcast and your host, Matt Hersema. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It's a Friday edition of the podcast, so that means a nice long-form interview with another wonderful guest. And we do have another wonderful guest today, a Rio Hondo Prep alum, someone I've wanted to have on the program for quite some time. He was gracious enough to sit down with me and uh, spend some time here talking about his time in Rio, his career, maybe some sports, some friends, maybe even this podcast a little bit. So let's bring him on the program. We are joined today by Dave Joe. And Dave Joe is from the class of 1991 of Rio Hondo Prep, played on the championship football team there. He's currently a CPA. Uh, let's bring him on the program here as he's coming in from the waiting room. As long as I don't mess it up, of course, with my technological issues. But there he is. Dave Joe, welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, I know this has been a long time in the works. You finally pinned me down. <laughs> or at least our schedules matched. Absolutely, man. You know, I, I, I hate pestering people, but uh, I know that some people have shown interest and I, I ask and I ask and I ask and it's just, uh, I'm glad we're finally able to do it. Yep, I'm glad too. Uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you and getting caught up here. I know we didn't run in the same circles, uh, partly, mainly due to age difference, but uh, obviously the common link is Rio Hondo Prep. Well, and yeah. I, we're both... I see we're both wearing our prep t-shirts here. Yeah, we didn't coordinate that at all, man. We, uh, man, we look like twins here uh, with glasses on and the, yeah, anyway. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's, been, it's been great doing the podcast, talking with so many people. And one thing I found is even if you are not in the class or around school at the same time as people, it's almost like you were once you start talking. So uh, anyway, I know we've chatted a little bit here and there, but I appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy day here. Um, Dave, we're going to talk about Rio Hondo football. We're going to talk about, uh, maybe some of your friends, some of the, your leaders and kind of what you do now. Uh, but, but first I want to talk about a, a dear friend of ours, uh, Pete Clark, who had some health issues not too long ago. It really is a miracle what he has gone through and, and to see all the support that he's received. So what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on your good friend, Pete Clark? Uh, he is my brother in, uh, both, the. Uh... Um, not the literal, but definitely the, the spiritual sense of the word. We grew up together. We've known each other since fifth grade. Um, I was funny when I was, when I was visiting Pete after his uh, procedure, when he finally got back home from the hospital, we were ha having dinner there uh, with his family and his mom. And I was telling my girlfriend who had not really met Pete yet. Um, but, you know, I had, I always had as a kid, two celebrations at every major holiday, you know, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, I would do my family, but then I would quickly shuttle over to Peter's house and I would have a secondary celebration. So they all, and Mrs. Clark and the Clark family always uh, treated me as, as one of them, of their own. And I much appreciated that. Uh, I, and we, we would have these uh, just, uh, we call them tape ball games out. And I remember out in his front street, and we're telling stories of tape ball 
it was left-handed because you know the street was not that big so yeah we had to play left-handed tape ball but anyways yeah so he's a very close dear friend of mine and I'm, I'm so happy uh um he's he's on the recovery on a good path of recovery yeah pc4 baby he's uh doing he's doing great and it's uh it's been outstanding to see how many people have stories like you dave with with pete i mean he's touched a lot of lives and uh you know newly married. i, I want to say I, I should get credit for uh introducing him to the chinese culture because it's funny people will say he's more chinese than me <laughs> so so a little insight here so i'm i'm a banana you know y'all know what a banana is i'm yellow on the outside white on the inside but pete he actually can speak better Chinese than me. He actually communicates better with my family members than I do. Wow. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so Pete's your translator. Yes. <laughs> wow. Who would have thought, man, that, that is great. Uh... <laughs> you got to get him on the show. He has nothing but time now. So he has no excuses. Okay, you, Pete, you you heard that. You heard that from uh, from your brother, Dave Joe here. So you got to get on. Uh, yeah, hopefully you're, once you're uh, good enough to sit around and talk with me for a while. Uh, well, Dave, uh, you talked about childhood a little bit. Where where uh, where did you grow up? And you sound like you were in care kind of early. How did that all start? Yeah, so I grew up on a street called Muscatel. So for all your listeners are listening to the Patricio podcast that you published this morning, mm -hmm. that house that his dad built was literally across the street from the house our parents raised us in. Wow. So that was pure coincidence. So I don't know if you knew that, uh, uh -uh. but that is the, that is a true story. I remember uh, Mr. Taylor taking my brother in high one time. He goes, Hey, I used to live right there. We're like, what? <laughs> so, so that, um, yeah, I started at care at eight years old. Um, I was forced in by my parents, my mom. My mom was the matriarch of our family. And she said, my brother had a, a school friend um, that kind of asked him, hey, you want to play? So my brother expressed interest to my mom. And my mom, through her wisdom, was, okay, well, if my brother Harry is going to go play, then you, you got to take your little brother David as well. <laughs> so I, I was, I, I didn't asked to play I didn't ha have any interest or expressed any interest but uh it was uh my mom my mom mom my mom pushed me over there um mama knows best that's great uh so yeah. you and Harry Harry's a few years older than you how, how was that relationship uh not only as kids but then as you kind of got into your your teenage years at Rio yeah yeah he's uh 18 months older than me uh so believe it or not even though we're only uh fundamentally one year apart Art. growing up we never ran in the same circles so growing up he had his group of friends and I had my group of friends and there was little overlap even a school the size of Rio it, it didn't overlap it wasn't until we got into our adult lives that we actually became in my opinion much closer and a lot had to do with um, we're both finance uh, we both have a financial background from a technical training and studies and our career paths, we both have a financial background. So, so we, we, we definitely think alike and, and we share that in common. And, that, and, uh, and you know, it's through there, uh, we probably got a lot closer as we got um, older. Interesting. Yeah, I was three years uh, older than my brother. So we were never on the same team. And 
kind of had different groups of friends and things. But as we got older in life, we became very, very close and, and in a fun way. We still tease each other and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, we're brothers and brothers do brother things. So <laughs> um, you have a yeah, night. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to spend a whole week with him down in Disney World with his family. I'm taking uh, my girlfriend, Rhea Jane, and her nine-year-old daughter. We're going to spend a whole week at Disney World uh, with his family. And, 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 and we're going down at the same time. So it's going to be a, a good time. What a great time indeed. Um, uh, uh, Dave, let me ask you about care youth league. What was your early experiences and who were some of the, who were some of the teammates and, or, or, or opponents really uh, that you were playing against? So uh, let me just start by saying, and I say this all the time and people don't believe me. I don't have a lot of memories before fifth grade. Okay. So years like eight, like first two or three years of care, I really don't have a whole lot of memories to be quite honest with you. I'll be, and I, I don't even know who my first coach was. Uh, so sorry, whoever's listening, that may have been my first coach as an eight-year-old Indian kid. I, I don't really remember. I remember Rick Johnson being on my team because he was the best player. So I, I do remember that. I remember being slightly intimidated by Rick as a little Asian kid, not knowing, never played a sport before. And here's this kid um, that knows exactly what to do and is good at it. It wasn't until fifth grade uh, where I actually have concrete memories. And I remember, you know, Dave Reed being my fifth grade teacher at Rio, that's when I changed schools. So it had a lot to do with me changing schools to Rio where I start having these vivid memories. And that's where I, you know, the lifelong friends of, you know, Peter, Clark, Todd, Rick, Jeff Valdez, John Creel, you know, all those guys, um, you know, were my classmates and where I had true, true memories uh, of, of that. And I was on a, at the time we called, you know, um, you gravitated out of the club teams you know Atlantic Indian Cowboys uh you know Coral that was my generation once you got into more of the junior high age like the fifth grade years they went to believe it or not colors orange blue green and red what? and then they yeah <laughs> but they attached names to them like Bruins Vikings was the orange team and like the red teams were like Wildcats I can't remember the green team was Irish I think I can't, but anyways, we were there, Northerners, orange, red, green, and blue. And I was on the orange team. <laughs> so I do remember that Chris Horton was my uh, uh, orange team uh, leader for, for many, many years. He's the one that really got me immersed uh, it, into the program. I was already going to Rio. I remember him picking us, uh, us up for church. Uh, he would pick us up from church, uh, my brother and I at our street. So yeah, he he he's so a lot of good memories with Chris Horton and Mark Hartwig and Greg Bollinger. Those were my coaches during my era with the Orange team. The Orange team. Wow, that's yeah. funny. Ruins, I guess. <laughs> well, um you, you go to uh Rio Hondo Prep where, you know, sports are they're important. They, they're a big part of the curriculum, we'll say. And um you know, school's important too, but, uh, you know, let's be honest. Uh, we, <laughs> people show up for football games, not chemistry experiments. So uh, uh, what was your experience like at Rio? You, you already mentioned some names. You, I, I still feel, and I've talked to a lot of guys, John Lee and Todd Carson and guys that were on those teams. I still think you had one of the greatest group of groups of guys uh, in RHP history. Uh, you, you won a football championship in 1990. You guys had, the the best basketball team Rio's ever had uh just a tremendous group of guys and Rick Johnson said something that 
it wasn't necessarily about the talent, even though you guys were extremely talented, it was kind of the bond you guys all had. So was that kind of your experience as well? Yeah, well, thank you for those great compliments to our class of 91, I, which I do have a bias towards. Um, but thank you for those kind words. Uh, yeah, ar arguably, I know there was some great, great teams and classes throughout the RHP history. You know, we'll, we'll debate till the end of time on who the best was. But I, I would agree with Rick. I, I did li listen to Rick's uh, podcast. Our whole class theme our senior year was all about unity and team. So that was always our mantra. From the early days of sixth grade, you know, that's, you know, we were taught by, you know, Coach Drain, uh, the pyramidic success. So it was very a uh, wooden base. And, you know, he, he made us read the book, They Call Me Coach. And, you know, <clears throat> so we always had that mentality. Team came first. And I honestly think all of the people I played with always accepted that mantra. And I think that's why we were so good because we believed in it. It wasn't, we bought into it. You know, you hear that term all the time. All oh, the team bought into the coach's vision. I think it was more than that. We, 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 we more than just bought into it. We believed it. It was something real that we, we, we still hold on to, to today. Today. I, I hold that philosophy um, throughout my whole professional career. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but you know, um, I learned just as much out of the classroom as in the classroom for me to be successful in the professional career I have. And I, and I do believe um, if, if it wasn't for that core RHP leadership training, there's, I don't think I would have been as successful as I have been in my professional life. Wow. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree with that. And, and the, the, the moments and the there's all the different things that Rio students do, go through, uh, it prepares you. I mean, the future is now, right? As they as they always say in care, and uh, it spills into Rio as well. So absolutely. Well, well, tell me, Dave, about uh, let's talk a little football. We'll kind of go through you know the sports here, but you were a guy. I I I seen some video, but I've heard the stories. Really, you were a guy that was uh, you're a very friendly guy now, but. <laughs> On a football field, I heard you were pretty tough, pretty nasty, pretty vicious. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I do have this uh, persona, and I do believe it. Uh, it's hard for me to see myself, right? Because I, I don't, I don't see myself act the way I do on a football field. I, I can see it on film, but you don't see all the mannerisms and, and the words being said on the field. Um, I've been told, and I do believe it, because I've been told this in the workplace environment as well. Dave, we go to happy hour with you. You're one guy. But when you're in the office, you're this whole other guy. <laughs> and so I, that's why I believe that. I've been told that my whole professional career. So when, when, as I listen to some of these broadcasts and people describe how I was when I was a high school player, I kind of believe in them because that's how I am today. Like when, once I, you know, you button up the chin strap and you step on the field, I, I, I did become a whole different person. It was... And it wasn't because for any selfish goals, it was all about that team. The biggest fear I always had, I remember this as a player was letting my teammates down. Mm. That was my biggest fear. My biggest fear was not losing. My biggest fear was letting my teammates down or coach drain down mm. I, and coach Johnson, coach Lenny. Those were my, that's what drove me. I had, I wanted to be, you know, I was very coachable. That's my term. That's the term they always use. I was very coachable. Why? Because if they're telling me to do something, I can't rely on my physical gifts because <laughs> I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't the strongest. 
So I, 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 my, my was always, um, I got to beat them mentally and with technique. And so whatever the coaches told me, I, I absorbed and I tried to, so I've always been, I always thought myself as very coachable. And my, and I, I think I proved that because, you know, now my passion is golf and my, my golf instructor is like, oh man, you, you know, a couple of lessons, you're there. I say, like, yeah, I've always been told I was coachable. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I always love uh, football players uh, who, who are that kind of tough as nails mentality. They're going to get the job done, right? And uh, you were a linebacker. And, you, you know, Dave, I, I kind of asked you this off the air, but w- what is it about, why aren't there more Asian kids playing football? And the ones that do, uh, they're not quite like you in the sense that, I mean, you were uh, one of the leading tacklers, I think, or maybe the leading, t- I'm not sure if you were or not, but you know, you and Rick Johnson being uh, linebackers. I mean, I wouldn't want to carry the ball against you guys. Uh, and then you ran the ball, of course. So you were, you were key important positions, but I guess my big, my big question is how come, how come uh, there aren't more Asian kids playing football? Well, one I think is uh, I, I would say DNA, you know, <laughs> Not to stereotype, but Asians, and I don't think my brother and I kind of fit the stereotype of Asians because we're a little bit on the plus size. Not in high school, but even now, but even <laughs> our framework was a little bit bigger. But typically, Asians are a little bit more smaller in stature. So they're not going to get the D1 scholarships, and they're not going to for sure not gravitate to the NFL. So professional football, which is an American sport, doesn't translate well to China. And then, you know, most of the Chinese kids here that are, you know, first generation. So my parents immigrated here. I was born here. Their parents don't understand football. And it's, it's kind of a violent sport. <laughs> and, you know, Chinese are typically nonviolent until, you know, this latest uprising. But typically they're non-confrontational. But uh, anyways, I think just the whole culture of the sport the physical demand and, and what generally Asians are, it just doesn't drive kids uh, to play football. For me, it was different. I already said I'm a banana. So <laughs> I had a different mindset. So my mindset was a little bit different. I remember when I stepped on the field, I did kind of play with reckless abandon. And so I think the co- co- coaches like that and uh, my peers love that. And I remember playing football. I was like, man, I'm like usually smaller than most people on the field. I better hit them before they hit me. Yes. Because, so that always stuck in my head. And that's not something I would say the coaches taught me. And it's just something I kind of figured out. If I hit them first, it's going to be a lot less painful. (laughs) So that was always my mentality, whether it was um, defense or offense. I got to go hit them first before they hit me. Um, so So I did play with a little bit of reckless abandon. And I think that's why most Asian kids um, don't gravitate um, necessarily to tackle football. Uh, yeah, and I'm, not, I'm not stereotyping or anything. I'm just trying, I, I, <laughs> I, I generally am curious because uh, officiating all the years I did, you just didn't see it too often. And, you know, you're one of the best football players Rio's, Rio's ever had, you know. Uh, so I just was like, <laughs> yeah, what's what's the, the connection here? Disconnect. Uh, I, it, it does remind me, I listened to Dave Robinson's podcast and I didn't know this, but I, I, I'm still, I am curious since I heard on his broadcast, do I still hold the single season record for tackle? I don't know that, but I heard Dave Ramos mention it. Uh, we got a job for Mark Carson to dig up the archives for us. Uh, mm-hmm. That's funny. Uh, so real quick, what, what did you prefer in foot? First of all, did you run the ball in on offense or, or. No, my, I, I always played on the line. Um, 
it wasn't until my senior year I, I switched to tight end. So I, I did go out for a, the three pass plays that Coach Johnson called. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so offense or defense? I think I know the answer, but what did you prefer, offense or defense? Uh, defense, defense. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you got to love, love, you know, uh, Coach, Coach Lenny passed away a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, I loved him. You know, he, he first tried to stick me at that deep safety position as a sophomore. Really? And I was slow. Yeah, I was slow. And I played linebacker as a freshman on JV. So he thought I was too small. So I played freshman JV linebacker. Then when I got to varsity sophomore year, he starts me the season at deep safety. And I'm like, I, I felt so uncomfortable because I was slow. I was 15 yards away from the ball. So I, I never played that far away from the ball on defense. And I was just like a fish out of water. And after I think a first cup, I don't think I've ever even made it to a game. I was so bad in practice. He switched me to linebacker. <laughs> That's how bad I was at safety. Like I couldn't even make it to the game. Like I was so bad in, in practice. Um, but thank goodness coach Lenny, cause you know, his defense and, and I'll say the defense design that coach Lenny uh, uh, did for eight man football it was designed where the linebackers get all the tackles, right? So, so that's that's part, partly the reason why I got so many. It was also by defensive design. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the architect, uh, indeed. Yeah. And he always said to at least to us when we were playing for him, uh, he would talk about he would use you and Rick as the prototypes. He was like, he he would say something along the lines of, "You, you got to be you, you got to be either the Rick Johnson type of linebacker or the Dave Joe type of linebacker." and uh, what, what, did, what do you think he meant by that? Um, you know, this is the first time I'm hearing it. So this is no prep. I've never yeah. heard that before, Matt. Um, so it's interesting you say that. So here's my speculation. Um, Rick was, uh, 180. I was 145 and he was just more physical than I was. He was much stronger than I was. Mm-hmm. So he could, he could, he could, um, out muscle out power. And, and, and he always used to usually play the strong side linebacker if, the, if there was a strong side formation in ABM football and I think I was more I was a 150 and remember so I had my knack was I could read a play quickly and get to the ball and I wouldn't go through I would never go through a blocker I would never go through a blocker my way my technique was I would pick a shoulder and try to get by him mm-hmm. on one side one side of the shoulder or the other but I made those decisions very quickly I didn't hesitate and, and, and I think that's what he meant. Yeah. I think uh, that's what he meant. That's what it gathered from, uh, from me because yeah, I was playing alongside Landon Goodwill and I was like, well, I'm not Landon and uh, hopefully he gets blocked a lot and I get, I get to get in there and get more tackles. So I was good at reading things and uh, definitely a little undersized and not as, uh, not as talented as Landon who played division one football and, and all <laughs> that. So yeah, Mr. Lunny was special, man. He, he was so special. And everyone I've talked to on this, I think he really made defense fun and he was so brilliant. I mean, he taught Latin and boy choir, and then he's a defensive coordinator all these years. So, so unique. I mean, he passed away recently. What, what were some more of your thoughts on Gary Lunny? Oh yeah, he was a great coach. You know, uh, he would he would call it as a see it, and it just the interesting part was his intensity. Right, he brought the same intensity yeah. <laughs> to a football practice as our choir practice and we just didn't understand it as high school kids were like it's choir it's not football (laughs) but he would get so mad at us because we would have it at 8 a.m in the old school real pavilion 
we would be freezing. It's 8 a.m. <laughs> Please, and he would just get honest because we, you know, whatever we weren't doing what we were supposed to be doing in choir or whatever. But those, those are one of the fondest memories. And you know, uh, I just, uh, you know, he he had all his, uh, you know, Gary Lenny, he had all his little isms. So <laughs> you know, uh, he, he, like you know, my grandma in for, you know, I heard I heard that one on one of your podcasts. Oh yeah. Know. My grandma, grandma in for her smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I remember those. <laughs> if you if you if you missed an assignment or missed a tackle, which you probably didn't do too often, but if you did, you, you talked about letting your coaches down. I mean, you would have to see Mr. Lunny's face and and his reaction, and you're just like, I am so sorry. I'll never let it happen. Yeah, I, I'm let, come on. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I missed plenty of tackles. I'm sure I missed plenty of assignments, but I don't, unfortunately, I don't have a vivid memory. I do have a vivid memory and it was on a good play. And maybe that's why I remember. There you go. I remember I was playing a offside linebacker as a sweep away from me. And I kind of like trailed like I'm supposed to. And then they ran a reverse and I had done my job. I had kind of stayed home and I came and I guess I just plastered the guy. I remember I made a good tackle, but it looked, I think at the time I didn't understand it because I was doing the tackling. But when I saw that film, I understood why, because I, I remember when I got up, I did hear a big roar and I looked to the sideline because I was the signal caller. So I was already getting ready for the next play. So I'm looking towards coach Lenny for the defensive scene. And I just, you know, his lap, right? <laughs> I just, I almost could hear it, but I could see it. He, he is just, chuckling and i was like i didn't get it at the time until i saw the film and then i understood what he was chuckling at because i had i guess i had almost like i lifted the guy up and i kind of drove him back and <laughs> you know when you're making a tackle you don't know you're doing these things you're just kind of you know getting the tackle I, I do remember that so i do have uh, great memories and you know um even the more memories uh, you know my brother ended up marrying his daughter lindy you know, so, I, yeah, I, I didn't piece that together, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, so he did, um, um, even far, far after he was done coaching, I would see him at all the Thanksgivings and Christmases. Oh, man. And, you know, you know, uh, so, you know, uh, yeah, so we would, st- he was still very into football, even after he retired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would watch those games and yes, so. Lots I could, good memories see, I could see him looking out at you, man, laughing, knowing, hey, I just drew this <laughs> up. This kid did what he was supposed to and then creamed the kid. I mean, that did his heart well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he always wanted a – Matt, Joe, if you're listening, your your grandfather always wanted you to be that linebacker. <laughs> but you were, you, know, you were a different type of player, Matt, if you're listening, and we appreciate that. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. That's uh, – he years later, you know, another Joe, another Joe took the football field. That's great. Uh, and he would – he wore Matt wore fifteen, right? Yeah, that was my brother's high school jersey number. Okay, so that, that's why he wore fifteen. My favorite number, and uh, so that always uh, jumped out to me. So yeah, number fifteen, love it. Uh, okay, so basketball, Mister Drain. He 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 told me he always told me you gotta run the one through one like Dave Joe. No one runs it like Dave Joe. You gotta be. You gotta run the baseline. You gotta. You got to know when to trap. You got to know how to, he was always telling me, you got to do it like Dave Joe. He says, Dave Joe's the best that's ever done it. So uh, I, I know maybe you weren't a big time scorer, but you had big impact on the defensive side uh, of the floor, right? In basketball. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So you know, you mentioned it earlier in the lead in basketball was one of the great things we did as as a team. Um, I did not like basketball, <laughs> and I think everyone in my team knew it. The only reason why I did it is because, just like Rio, yeah. uh, every everyone else played it. So I, I so I I gave a hundred percent effort, mm-hmm. but um, uh, basketball was never my thing, and I quickly found out that. If I wanted to play and and I ha- and I wanted to contribute, I can tr- contribute with defense. Because you're right, I, I did not have a good shot. I was not a scorer. In fact, Coach Strain would tell me, you know, letter requirements was you had to average five shots per game. He would say, he told me my senior year, I will waive that requirement. So please do not shoot. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, if you hit your percentages, you still get a letter, and that is my most of all the letters I got in my high school career, I only lettered in basketball one year, my senior year. And that's my most treasured. And I, and I had to negotiate with Coach Strand. Okay, well, Coach Strand, I'm never going to get a letter in basketball because, you know, they have, you have this requirement. You have to average five shots per game, and then your percentages matter. He goes, I'll waive that. I, please do not shoot. <laughs> so I said, okay, Coach. Um, but I did listen to the Coach Strand's broadcast. It was very nice words. Uh, but again, it was about not letting my teammates down. And it was more, it was my way of trying to find something I could contribute to the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I told you that just like you asked me the difference between Rick and myself, my, my, my strengths were, you know, um, I was coachable, but also um, kind of the, the sports IQ. Like I, I do think I, I, I kind of knew where to be. I, could, I had a good feel where the ball goes going and I can anticipate and that was always with charges you know guys want the glory for the breakaway layup and do all this so I kind of knew the spot they were going to and I would just go to that spot it to me wasn't that hard like they have to go to that spot to do their their lay-in so I'm just going to get to that spot first and they just didn't deviate because they weren't used to someone being in their spot (laughs) so I think that's kind of how I thought of it my kind of guy, Dave, me and you, man, same player, basically in basketball. No, man, like, I was not known as a dirty player. I, I, was, I was dirty. What are you talking about? You'd be dirty. You got to be caught. Uh, that's that's what, the, what I gathered in the podcast I've listened to. I used to get guys so mad, but then yeah, they, yeah, I was doing some yeah bad things, but uh, yeah, taking the charges, a big, I uh, love that stuff. And uh, you know, you guys, you guys dominated in football, really. And you won the championship in 90, uh, the first title since uh, 79, no, 82. 82, Even though uh, the class or so before you, you know, the Rod Heaton, Randy Johnson guys, they they got to the finals. But you guys dominated football. But, but then you get to basketball. And even though you didn't like basketball, you guys went on this magical run. And, and you guys, I mean, you guys played out in Washington, D.C. I've heard that story a bunch of times when, you know, Todd gets announced as a center and they laugh and then you guys dominate. I mean, you guys uh, got to the finals and lost and then had a magical state run. So tell me specifically your feelings on that 91 basketball season. Well, I think I was the only one that didn't. Everyone else loved basketball. I was just only me that didn't like basketball. Yeah. Uh, So, 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 you know, Rick and Todd and those guys, they, 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 they loved it. Um, yeah, we didn't go to much school that senior year. I remember that because <laughs> we were off doing all these sports stuff. Because, you know, that Washington, D.C. trip, 
was was for a whole week and it was the week before Christmas break. So when we got back from that trip to DC, we started our Christmas break. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't go a whole lot of school in the month of December, but yeah, those were, you know, the girls team was actually very good as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So both, so, so both teams were doing really well that time. And yeah, I think it was just a lot of years, you know, you heard Coach Strange podcast, you know, that, that's, that was just a buildup from sixth grade. You know, I remember him scheduling these teams against us in eighth grade, and it was all part of it. You know, they made us play pop corner football, and that was all part of it. You know, we 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 were we were pretty much battle tested. I think by the time we were seniors, the just a lot of the grind. But it was, you know, we had a Hoosiers mentality. You know, we watched that movie. It's funny. I remember the beginning beginning of our senior season. You know, Coach Strain loves the Mammoth area. So he took us to the Lone Pine tournament. Never, I never understood it. Like, why you guys so far for a tournament? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I remember, I think we were at the firehouse. We stayed at some firehouse or something. And, um, it wasn't the hotel. And we, we put on the movie Hoosiers. The whole, both varsity girls and boys basketball teams were watching. Yeah, so I remember we are like, that could be us. I remember the guy saying that, like, we started that Hoosier mentality. So every time we broke huddle, that's why we broke huddle. We said team. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, I love it. So, so we started doing that uh, at every uh, for the rest of the season as we broke out. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and you guys, like I said, you guys won a bunch of games in, in the state uh, up north and down San Diego. Yeah, we beat the San Diego champs, Central California champs. I remember when we beat the San Diego champs, we had to travel to San Diego, miss school and all that jazz. And then once I remember after the game, they had announced the winner of our next opponent. And it was the Central California champs. And then Coach Stream was like, oh, we got to go to Fresno. <laughs> and surprisingly, I, re- I remember this. Everyone on the bus cheered because <laughs> we knew we were going to miss more school. Yeah. <laughs> and Coach Strain didn't understand, like, why are you guys cheering when I just told you we have to go to Fresno <laughs> in the middle of nowhere? Because <laughs> we're like, we get to miss more school, Coach. Yeah, it's very simple. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> That's great. You guys go up there, you, you beat the, the, the champion up there in a close game, I believe. And yeah. then uh, you get to the state game against Rebay, the rematch. Uh, you guys had it, man. And, and I know it, it's uh, tough to talk yeah. about, I'm sure. Uh, I know you've talked to Todd. Todd's a really close friend of yours. I know he's been open about it to you. Um, and I listen to Coach Strain. I'll be honest with you, us as the class, I think we – it, it seems like Coach Strain actually holds on to that more than us. And I guess because as a coach, he, he wasn't a player, so maybe he finds it tougher. Mm-hmm. But when I listened to that podcast, I was like, oh, my goodness, he's still holding on to that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but us as, as the players and as the class, um, I think we accepted it. It's a good story to tell. There's nothing, you know, you know at the end of the day, life, there's more to life than, than that game, but it was a great experience all the way around. Mm. Um, I, I would say this, you know, I think most players, um, and maybe it's different for you because you, you have such a close friendship with Todd. None of us really talked to Todd directly about it, even to this day. Mm. Um, I remember coming back after the game. I, I did feel so bad because I believe that was his fifth foul, so he couldn't even play in overtime. Yeah. If, I, if my memory serves me correct. So that's even a worse feeling, right? Because you, you kind of, you did that play and then um, you're not able to play in overtime. 
I remember, and this is the worst thing ever. You know, we didn't, we weren't, and, and the school was not anticipating us to make that deep run. So they have scheduled the biggest fundraising event of the year that same night. That's right. It was called, back then it was called the I Care for Youth Banquet. That was the single biggest fundraiser event of the whole year in one night. And we were scheduled to perform as customary as the high school group. And I remember, and I, I remember it was just, I think it was just Todd and I, because we got changed in the back of the varsity locker room. And I don't know if Todd remembers this, because I, I know he, he probably a lot of emotional, very emotional night for all of us that night. And I remember it was just me and him. We had just gotten changed, we gotten back, because we literally went off the bus, Matt, and we didn't even go home. We had to get ready to perform. So we had, to, we had to do a whole wardrobe change. I'm sitting in the back of the varsity locker room, you know, back in the corner of that building, the back parking uh, property. And, and it was just Todd and I, and it was right before we had to walk on stage. And I just said, Todd, I go, Todd, I go, if, you don't, if you're not feeling up to it, just don't, don't go out there. I mean, just stay here. And I left the room. And to this day, I don't remember if he ever got up and, 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 and made it up on the stage. Maybe you could ask him, but um, I, I remember that vividly that night. Mm. No, he, he yeah. told me when we've talked about the story many times. And for those that don't know, Rio was in the state uh, regional final. They were going to go to the state uh, championship. Uh, had they won this game in 91, uh, they had lost to Rebay 30 points uh, a week before in the CIF championship. They had the lead with, you know, a couple seconds left, scored late and, uh, Todd, uh, a foul was called on Todd, we'll say, because I've, I've heard it wasn't a, a great call. Those, but Those refs. Those referees, I tell you. So uh, devastating. You know, they had to go late to the floor. And, and anyway, they scored, uh, sent the game to overtime and Rio lost in overtime. So uh, a, a devastating moment for my good friend Todd, who's, you know, life life goes on. and But at the time, to your point, Dave, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that there's more to life than basketball, that there's – and especially after one of your worst moments to then have to go perform and, you know, do something you didn't want to do. I mean, I don't, I, I took losses so hard. It, it, it killed me. And I, I remember specifically my final play in every sport that I ever played and it uh, it's haunting, man, but you know, like <laughs> you, you go on. So um, no, a special team, really great group of guys. And uh, Todd Carson was a big part of that. And uh, again, a tremendous friend of mine. Uh, well, Dave, what, a, you know, baseball's like the forgotten sport at Rio. You just, Oh, we need something to do in the spring. <laughs> what, what, were you a baseball guy or no? I mean, be uh, so, yeah, yeah, no, actually baseball was my favorite sport. It just wasn't my best sport, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Rio was all, yeah. Baseball was always the forgotten sport. So good job to, uh, Mark Carson and JT Parker. They've really done a great job with the prep baseball program, you know, Hands down, uh, uh, you know, I know it started with Greg Loomis when he took over, you know, I think baseball became more of a, a more of a serious thing. Um, but it, it, back when I was in high school, it was an afterthought, I would say, honestly, but it was my favorite sport. Um, I love playing it. Um, and we actually made a, we made a deep run. We made it to the semifinals the senior, senior year. So all the four semifinal teams, Three of the four teams were prep league teams. Wow! It was us. Yeah, it was us, Chadwick, and Pauly. Um, we played the semifinal game against Chadwick, and we lost. Even though we had, I think our senior year we actually won the prep league title. I'm not sure, 
So you, you're gonna have to fact check me on that. But I remember we had beaten Chadwick in the prep league rounds. I think we had actually beat them both times because we played them twice back in those days. But we had, we ended up losing in the semifinal game. Wow. Jeff yep. Fairley, if you're listening, we won't blame we won't blame your pulled hamstring that clogged up the bases. Um, that one inning that was a rally killer. <laughs> not, that, not that you're holding a grudge or anything. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, what what position did you play, Dave? I played that infamous. I always say I played second base because it's just too hard to explain. To explain the short center field position. The, the Rover. Ma- match. The magical fifth infielder. <laughs> <laughs> but you were like a twi- were you like back on that on the infield dirt, kind of on the grass a little bit? I mean, I was no. Nah, I mean, I played a deep, deeper fifth infielder, but I I didn't play deep enough where I couldn't feel the ground ball and throw the guy out. So I had to play close enough that if I fielded the ground ball, I could throw the guy out. So uh, so I was so it was truly a fifth infielder. Interesting. And to, for those that don't know, Rio's field center field was very short and there was a hill and then there was a, a huge net. So a center fielder out there was, I mean, it was really good thinking by Randall Johnson to do this. Uh, but my question is, Dave, did you guys do that on the road also? We did do that on the road also. So even in a deep ballpark, which the semifinal field was, we play that, I believe Cerritos college. So that's a huge field. Yeah. Yeah. We still, we, we held true to that strategy. So your, your left and right fielders, they would kind of play more towards the gap? Yeah, and then, you know, Coach Johnson, he tried to have the scout card on each of the opposing team batter to, to kind of sh- to shift more towards left or right for the two outfielders, yeah. Wow, Randallytics, Randallytics, we'll call it. Uh, interesting. So we were doing the shift before the shift. Yeah, well, five guys, I mean, you see that sometimes – like in the bottom of the ninth or something of a game where the winning runs on third and a fly ball probably wins it anyway. Well, they'll bring in five infielders, but not like routinely to do that. I mean, did, t- did teams like laugh at you guys for doing this? Well, I think um, the answer is I don't recall them uh-huh. because maybe we were, Rio's been, had been doing it for so long. They were used to it. I mean, I remember like you were talking about basketball. I remember teams laughing at us, even our senior year. And we had a good junior year, so it wasn't like the the, the local area knew we were a good basketball team because we had a good junior year. But I remember going to East Coast, people laughing. But no, I don't I don't remember that in baseball. You know, baseball it's a big giant field. There's not as many fans. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, different. Yeah, it's I'm different. Sure. Yeah, it's different. Wow. Now that's a that was a good run. Uh, really. To I mean, you guys, what a what a senior year. Finals in foot. Win a championship of football finals in basketball plus a state uh, tournament run and then the semis in in baseball i mean by the end of your senior year i mean you guys had experienced it all was it was it tough in the sense of man i'm not gonna play any ball anymore after that final loss well for me personally it wasn't that you know i think i was definitely gonna miss the competitive sports and playing so yes the answer is yes i would miss that but at the same time, you know, I was ready to graduate and get college started. I, I was ready. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, well, so, you, so. you left it all on the field. That's for sure. Um, we, we talked about a couple coaches, but talk to me about uh, Mr. Ken Drain, the impact he had on you. Uh, I know he was a guy that was very hard on players when they made mistakes. He could be bright red and uh, pretty loud, but deep down he cared about uh, all of us. And and what was your experience? He's re- He's retiring right here. 
uh, had, has had a great, great coaching career. What are your thoughts on Ken Drain? Yeah. So um, yeah, he is retiring this year. All the listeners, August 14th, big retirement party at care park. So there's that uh, public service announcement. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's our 30 year, my class's 30 year reunion, you know, wow. 30 years since we graduated from high school, man, it makes, <laughs> makes me feel old just saying it. But yeah, we, we started Coach Strain. Um, he started with us in sixth grade. And, you know, if you listen to his podcast, you know, we thought just as like he did, he would follow us all the way through high school. He took one year off and then he came back. So, um, you know, I feel privileged and honored that we could say he would, it was, uh, we were his first basketball team, you know, first varsity basketball team. And it was all downhill from there. Not just kidding. <laughs> uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Wiley, just kidding. <laughs> but um, anyways, yeah, the, the, he, he definitely instilled a lot of the principles that I still um, are, 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 is my foundation and, and what I take to leadership in the, in the corporate um, workplace is this a very, very much the same principles about leadership and, and what he instilled in us. Um, the, the, I think you told the story, I think either Rick or Todd, one of the podcasts, you know, you know, we were very, very uh, saddened when he took that year of break from us. I don't know if you recall this, it was uh, the end of our freshman year and our sophomore year, during our sophomore year was when coach strain went back to junior high. Oh, so he was not even in high school when we were during our sophomore year. And I remember Francis Osegard pulled our class into one of the rooms during the summer after our sophomore year and said, and asked us, you know, you guys didn't have a great year. And we're like, no, we didn't have a good year. We had a really bad, um, we had a decent football season. We went to the semis and lost to the number one team. Um, but our, our sophomore basketball season, I think we were under 500. And I think we were under 500 in baseball. So we didn't have, we didn't have a good year. And I remember him saying, you guys didn't have a good year. We're like, yeah, we didn't have a good year. And he, I remember as, as, as this was yesterday, how would you guys feel if Coach Strain was your coach again? And I remember we all looked around and said yes. Wow. And, and for all the same reasons that Coach Strain said, like, Hey, listen, uh, we know his system. We know what he wants done on the court. It, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, here's a bunch of, you know, sophomore kids telling the, you know, at the time, the, I don't know if you want to call him the president or executive director of the organization, but yeah, you know, he listened to us and, and it all came to fruition, man. So, yeah. It's- yeah, I, I remember hearing that. A uh, great story, and yes, an incredible man who's really, really uh, has had a great impact. And not so, you know, anytime he spoke to, like in church or his club meetings. I mean, I just, I, I like the sound of his voice. He, he knows how to paint a picture for you and kind of simplify things. So, always appreciate Mr. Yeah. Ken Drain. Yeah, I mean, he would. He, I remember he would. He loved the Mammoth area. He, he would take us up there in our junior high days. And I remember, I think he would buy stuff. And I think he was spending his own money. Like he, he, we, we, he had this bright idea. Let's, let's go river, you know, let's go, let's buy inflatable raft and float <laughs> down the Owens river. And so junior high kids, we were eighth graders. We had, I think one of the kids had brought in their own inflatable raft. And, and so, 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 so to make it possible for all the kids to do it, coach Shane, I think bought one himself and we all piled in, we start flowing them down the Owens river. <laughs> 
we start floating. Coach Train is in the bus. We lose sight of the bus. We don't know where Coach Train is. We're just floating down the river, Matt. Eighth grade kids down the Orange River in Kern Valley somewhere. And we're just going. We're like, we don't know where Coach Train is. We're like, well, he didn't give us much instruction. <laughs> and I swear, I think Coach Train just knew, like, he read on the map and he kind of just figured out where he could go with the bus. And all of a sudden, we saw the bus, you know, after like hour floating down the river. We're like, hey, there's the bus. <laughs> but other than that, we were just floating down the river unsupervised. Great stuff. Uh, what I, could go wrong? What could possibly what, go wrong? What could go wrong? But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, because, um, you know, back in our freshman year, our top athletes in the class actually left our, after our freshman year. So, you know, guys that were actually better than Rick and Todd, in my opinion, um, they actually left our class after our freshman year. So actually three of our top athletes actually wow. left. If we had those guys, you know, uh, I probably wouldn't even play. I, I probably wouldn't even played. <laughs> Well, there's that. I, I could, there's some truth to that. Uh, we experienced something like that too. So yeah, I was so fortunate in the sense, but also, Hey man, come on, stick around. We could, we could have a great, uh, great uh, high school career. Uh, well, Dave, you've been out of high school a long time, as you mentioned, but you were someone who is an avid supporter of Rio Hondo prep athletics. You, you are a big time, uh, football uh, fan. Of course you got your polo on like I do. Uh, why is it, Let's talk about the football program, I guess, specifically, or, or any of the athletic the, the part, uh, programs you want to. But why is it that you continue to be this, this great supporter of Rio Hondo Prep? My friends ask me all the time, why do you care so much? I'm like, well, uh, I, never w- I never was affiliated with the Rams or the Dodgers or whatever, but Rio Hondo, uh, that's my foundation and where I went. So why is it that you continue to be such a big Rio Hondo Prep supporter? Yeah, so easy, easy, easy. Uh question to answer for me personally two reasons uh, there's two reasons why I believe um, I'm successful in what I do one is my mom and dad you know great 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 foundation my mom my mom is like she came over to this country with not a formal education Um, same with my dad but my mom built her own business as a professional seamstress and worked seven days a week you know 60 70 hour weeks to raise the family, put my brother and I through school. And she did it all just, you know, with intuition and hard work. Um, you know, she didn't, she didn't have a business degree. She didn't have, you know, financial degree, but she was able to do it, buy a house. She always say, I came over here with only a hundred dollars in my pocket and look what I did. I'm like, <laughs> okay, mom, I can't beat that. <laughs> uh, so that is, and then the second reason is uh, real Hondo prep. Um, and I do believe, and I mentioned this earlier, um, I believe in, in high school athletics because there are so many character building and life learning principles learned in that environment that's not in the classroom. So I am a big believer in high school athletics. And so those are the two reasons. And just be, and because it's my alma mater. So if I'm a big believer in high school athletics, it's a natural that I support my alma mater. And, you know, Clearly, all my good friends, my peer group that I grew up with are now running the program. So I want to support them. You know, Mark Carson, who I call Gordy, because that's his real name, not Mark. <laughs> so Gordy, uh, he, he, you know, we've become really good friends over the years. And, and, and um, he's, he, he's done a great job with the program. And 
Um, you know, Coach Strange retiring, so hopefully there's more opportunity for Gordy here. Uh, so I, I do want to also, uh, so in the sense, I have a connection to the program uh, through Gordy. <clears throat> but that's kind of my uh, long-winded answer to your question. No, it's uh, it's fantastic, and there's there's, you know, when Rio played Pauly a few months ago, it was a big deal. It was, and there's people all over the country and maybe the world even watching. Uh, you know, this little high school in Arcadia, California, playing a big football game at the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's just so it's special. It takes me back too. it's been fun talking to so many different people here on the podcast uh, about uh, their experiences as well. It's a special place. And uh, yeah, you do learn quite a bit of lessons there. Um, you mentioned the podcast quite a bit, Dave. I, I am assuming you're a you're a loyal listener. It sounds like at least to some yeah. of the big Rio names. Yeah, I'm one of your 10 listeners. Come on. <laughs> Me and Bill Barnes are always like, yeah, I wonder who's out there listening. Uh, yeah, so I do, I do, I do enjoy my weekly Wednesday weigh in with Bill Barnes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I do, I do listen uh, on a regular basis. Um, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't listen to the Monday morning podcast. I, <laughs> I just listen hey, to the Wednesday and Friday. I no worries. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little boring. I know it's just uh, she has to keep. To, to get everything I want to say that I don't say on the other days. And, you know, anyway, yeah, Mondays, I, I hear you. They're, they're a little lower. Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, uh, I enjoyed the, I'll be honest. I enjoyed the landing Goodwill uh, podcast. I remember that one. Like, Oh man, he, he was one of the, early, you know, first kids that went to division one. I remember him, his team, I think it was your class. You know, I think that's when I first started with the weight room stuff, you know, Gordy came down and like, can we borrow your equipment for the summer? And he actually <laughs> drove the truck down and borrowed my gym equipment for the summer. And then that's kind of how it all started. You know, the support of the high school program was back in the landing in your guys' day. Yeah. Yeah. Landon was two years younger than me, but he played up with us yeah. and uh, yeah, great, great athlete and a great player. It, it's uh, but the Tony, uh, the NCAA ref enjoyed that one. Oh, Tony Padilla. Yeah. That was a while, yeah. while back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was, he was cool. He's had some good stories and, Got some more, got some more uh, guests here coming up. Uh, did you have, I mean, it's still early in the day here. Did you, the Pat Taylor interview was released today. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to that one. Yes, I did listen to that one. I never, so I did listen to that one this morning. I never knew that Fernando story. I How never great. heard that. Wasn't that cool? Oh, I, I wish was, I was one of those kids. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Come on, Patricio. Uh, that was, yeah, that was an awesome story. And uh, that's, those are the things I've enjoyed hearing here. And just what a, what a great man he is. Uh, you contributed to the Mr. Drain uh, tribute we did uh, for his uh, birthday, his 70th birthday. That was awesome. Seeing how many guys stepped up and did a little voice message to him. That was one of my favorite ones I've done. Yes. I, I, I enjoyed that immensely. Uh, uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I know Gordy reached out to me as well, but you know, I just, um, he, he is like a second father to me. Um, he taught me a lot. You know, he gave me my first regular job, you know, janitor. Yeah. Remember the club. <laughs> yes. Uh, believe it or not. I don't know if you did. I was the first one that did that dental office really on Rosemead Boulevard. Uh, my brother and I for, I did that dental office for six years. So know that know the dental office well yeah so it's funny because now i spent the last 20 years in the dental industry and i tell everyone oh i start off as the janitor <laughs> <laughs> look what you can achieve you just gotta start empty yeah. trash cans that's it that's hilarious yeah I, what a, what, so ironic i i've literally been in the dental yeah i've been in the dental industry for the last 20 years 
That's fantastic. Well, Dave, what, what about your career? Um, you, you mentioned your dental career there. What, what did you start? Uh, did you, did you know you were going to be an accountant right after high school? What was your career path? Yeah. So, um, I remember going, I went to PCC junior college because, you know, that was the most economical way to go. My parents didn't have all the money in the world. So I said, okay, let me, and that's how my brother went. And I remember like, my brother telling me like he's going to be studying accounting and finance. And I remember vividly uh, while I was at PCC thinking I need a degree that I can get a job with. I remember think, saying that to myself, because if I majored in history or English, I'm like, I don't know if I'd be able to get a job with that other than be a teacher. And I, and I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. I have like, I don't really have great patience. <laughs> so I, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher. So I said, Okay, my brother was already studying accounting, so that so I I explored that, and I was always um, good with math as an Asian kid. You know, we all are. Um, so you know, so it came natural to me. So when I took accounting and some of the beginning accounting courses, it, it did come natural to me, and I, I decided to pursue that path. And you know, quite honestly, I, I do enjoy the accounting work. I I do enjoy. It. I don't do taxes, so I hate taxes. <laughs> but I don't have to do taxes. I, I do the other accounting world. Everyone equates CPA to taxes, but there's this whole other um, job field out there that's non-taxes that CPAs do. So you had a pretty structured, uh, you know, goal, and you, you just kind of check the boxes off to get to where where you're at today. Just being the numbers guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I didn't. I went the. You know, I went to Cal, uh, PCC then Cal Poly Pomona. And, you know, those, I didn't go to USC or these big name brand schools, but I ended up at a very prestigious accounting firm coming out of college. So, you know, all my starting group peers had all this school debt because they went to SC, Notre Dame, UCLA. And they're like, where'd you go? I went to Cal Poly Pomona, but I'm debt free. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Um, Here's a true story. So, you know, this is another reason why I believe in real Honda prep football. Back to your early question. Yeah. My inside story is I got my professional start, my first accounting job at this big national accounting firm only because I played real how to prep football. No way. You want to hear the rest of the story? Absolutely. So I was sitting there at, I had signed up to interview for this accounting firm on campus. He looks at my, my resume. He goes, you know, we have a minimum GPA. I don't know how you even got this interview. That's how the interview started with me from this recruiter. And I said, well, sir, I just signed up. <laughs> he goes, but you don't meet the minimum GPA. I said, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I just signed up and they gave me the time slot. And he, he, he kind of said, well, okay, well, since you're here, <laughs> I guess we'll do the interview. That's kind of how it started. <laughs> then the next question was, why is your GPA so low? Now, thank goodness, I had a good answer. I told my work full time. I had, I was doing the janitor business. I was doing Wells Fargo Bank Teller. I, I had all these things going on. I was a little league umpire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good job, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, Quick money. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I had a good uh, a story. And the second thing was, um, what else I had going for me was I had this um, 
school project that I did very well in that was at the top of my resume. It was a tax national tax competition where this firm had sponsored. So on the top of my uh, resume, it said Arthur Anderson Tax Challenge, national finalist. So uh, a group of four of us represented Cal Poly in this national tax competition sponsored by this accounting firm. And we finished top 10 in the country and we were flown on the firm's expense bank account to represent Cal Poly at their national training center in Chicago. And we competed in a competition. We didn't do well at the nationals, but the fact that we got there, I was enough to put on my resume. So he naturally asked about that. So I joke about it's real on the prep football. I got to believe it's probably more because of that one item that got me the job. <laughs> because his next question was, um, why aren't you interviewing for our tax department? Why are you interviewing for audit? And I said, oh, because I don't like tax. I just do good at it. <laughs> So why does Rio Hunter prep football the reason? Then he started saying, you know, in these uh, critical, they call them CBI interviews, critical behavior interviews. They ask a standard question. Give me an example of a time where you got, you set a goal, you had to work with others to accomplish that goal. Oh, perfect. And I said, can I use, can I use a, a high school example? He goes, well, I don't really like going really that far back, but go ahead. So I told him the whole story of the championship football season. Blah, 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 blah. I told him the whole story. And then somehow he got, oh, what other sports do you play? Oh, I play basketball and baseball. He looked at me, he goes, you play? And he goes, varsity? I go, yes, varsity. <laughs> I go, yeah. Well, you don't, get, you don't get much kids playing varsity in all three sports. And I said, oh, I went to a very small, tiny private school that you probably never heard of in Arcadia, California. He goes, well, what's the name of it? I said, Real Honda Prep. And he chuckles. And I said, oh, you have heard of it because you're chuckling. And he said, yes. He goes, well, how did, so I, how did you hear of it? My high school alma mater is Faith Baptist. Oh, <laughs> the team you guys beat in yeah. the championship. <laughs> I said, you know that story I just told about the high school championship and our goal and all that? I go, we beat Faith Baptist in the championship game. He goes, what? I go, Yes. And then I started naming the players and he knew the common coaches. One of the common coaches was named Estrada. He knew Estrada and he played for, and the recruiter had played high school football for Faith Baptist. So he's familiar with eight man football. So he was all into it. And then we clicked from there. So that's why I say real on the prep is the reason why I got the job. That is spectacular. One of the best stories I've ever heard. That is awesome. <laughs> the rest is history. Here we are. That's is history. Oh man. So here, I am, here I am 20 years later, uh, at my second stint at a dental company, I've worked for two dental companies and my, I've spent five years at Arthur Anderson at public accounting where I was an auditor. So I would go audit the books and records of my clients. One of my clients was a large dental organization called Western Dental. They're all around California. So I eventually got hired by the CEO from Western Dental and I became their CFO at 28 years old. <laughs> it's hard to believe thinking that long ago. Uh, and I was their CFO for 13 years. And now I'm a CFO at Onsite Dental for the last six years. So yeah, it's been a long, long time, you know, um, being uh, in the dental world uh, as CFO. Um, I like to think I could read dental x-rays, but the dentist that I, I work with continue to remind me I don't have a dental degree. <laughs> sometimes I do. But yeah, anyways, that's, that's, how, that's how I got to kind of where I am today. And yeah, it's a, you know, on-site dental is a much smaller company than Western Dental, 
but we're a very uh, small niche player in the dental um, industry. Our, our, what we're selling is a, a service where we bring a dental clinic or off practice onto large employer campuses. So that's kind of our business model versus your traditional dental companies are opening up in like, you know, those shopping centers and, you know, and they get like that um, end cap space or the corner lot and they do more of a retail approach to dentistry versus on-site dental where we're going to large employer campuses. So we're at like Intel, uh, Facebook, you know, NVIDIA, we go to, you know, ConocoPhillips, Eli Lilly, all, all these like big companies with large campuses. So that's kind of what we're doing now. Wow. Wow. Big, big time stuff there, Dave. Uh, yeah. You're a, one of the great alums of Rio who's done some great things uh, in in your career, career world. Um, that's awesome, man. Uh, one of the per, I, I, I remember hearing about you from Mark and Todd and something they always said was, yeah, Dave, Dave, Joe was at this sporting event at, at that sporting event. It seemed like you were always at a Laker game or a Dodger game, or even uh, some other uh, big uh, sporting event. What, what are some of the big sporting events you've personally gone to as a, you know, a spectator and uh, I, I don't know, how did all that uh, come about? Most of the tickets um, that I received um, were through my previous employer, my my previous boss CEO was a big LA sports fan. So part of his, part of the deal was we had company tickets. So we had company tickets for all the Clippers and Lakers premier seats. And we had Dodger dugout club. So we, we got, so I got a lot of opportunity to go through, get tickets through uh, the company. So I, I did, I was there during the whole Kobe Shaq run. And I was there for the whole Kobe Paul Gasol run. Mm. <clears throat> so if you think of Kobe's two um, kind of teams, yeah, um, uh, I, I was I had the fortunate <clears throat> ability to get a lot of go to a lot of those games because the company had tickets. But I'm a big sportsman, uh, sports fan uh, myself. So um, I'm a big USC fan. I just gave up my season ticket hold seats to USC. I had them for 20 years. Um, and I would, and during the Pete Carroll, I, and I, I'm not a bandwagoner because I bought my first season tickets in 1996. Now that was the year they went to the Rose Bowl, but thereafter I, I went through the Paul Hackett era. Ooh, so I still had season tickets through the Paul Hackett era, <laughs> but then Pete Carroll came. So I am not an SC bandwagoner because I did not go to the school. So I did buy my season tickets pre Pete Carroll. But then when I, Pete Carroll came into town, um, I, I was fortunate enough and, you know, had the ability to go on StubHub and, you know, I went to every national championship game and every bowl game that Pete Carroll had, I would wow. go. Uh, and, uh, you know, usually Mark Carson was a side beneficiary of that because <laughs> uh, I would, I took him to a couple of Rose Bowl games. Uh, Rob Bazuzzi, another fellow Rihanna Prep alum who we happened to live five minutes from each other we flew down to Miami for the 2005 national game and then went to the uh, orange bowl. So that was very memorable. Cause I, I got to go with Rod. We, we made it a whole thing. Like the night before we went to a, the Laker, uh, uh, the Orla uh, Miami heat game when Shaq was on Miami heat. So we made a whole weekend out of it. So I remember that. And then um, unfortunately I was at the, the latest world series with the Dodgers Astros. So, and where they lost. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I just heard from Rod Bazuzzi, who I've never really talked to, but he said, hey, it's he uh, reached out to me through social media, said, hey, it's Rod Bazuzzi, class of 92. Enjoy listening to your podcast. Keep up the good work. I said, hey, Rod, thanks so much. I had no idea who's listening. Uh, would love to have you on sometime. And here's what he yeah. said. He said, that would be cool. You got to get my boys, Dave, Joe, and now for sure, PC4 on the case too. So uh, <laughs> you came on, you came on. So now you got to Tell, hey, you said, you said, Rod, you said if I came on, you'd come on. So, and we yeah. already talked about Pete. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, big <laughs> sports fan. Uh, Bazuzzi, funny because I would drag the Bazuzzi and his son CJ to a lot of those games. Nice. So, yeah. Unfortunately, Callum, his youngest son, came on after I left Western now. So, he did not uh, participate in all the extra stuff that his <laughs> older brother CJ did. <laughs> so, so in theory, Dave. In theory, Rio Hondo Prep football, which got you that job, also was, you know, got you all those tickets to all those games as well. This is true. Well, it, 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 the job stops, starts everything, right? So, yeah. yes, all that's <laughs> true. It's coming full circle. So, that's why I'm a, that it partly goes back to why uh, I still support the school. Matt, to your earlier question, you know, I, it's my small way of trying to, uh, you know, my, you know, Matt was going through up in the, my, my nephew, Matt, my Harry's son, um, you know, he's graduated now, but I was trying to, you know, support him. McKenna's still in high school there, my niece. So, you know, I said, Hey, are you ever going to use the weight room? She said, no, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, she's much like her mom, you know, loves the arts. <laughs> I mean, it's gotta be fun for you seeing your, your, you know, nephew and niece, uh, there at Rio, whether it's playing ball or, or anything, it's form, forming arts or whatever. I mean, that's gotta be a blast for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good to see, uh, you know, Matt, Matt's done very well, you know, he's out in college now trying to do his thing. So, uh, he, during COVID he's come, he came live with me for a while. So that was like an experience yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, well, Dave, we, we talked about a lot of, uh, fun things. Now we got to talk about something very serious, very, very serious. Uh, so be ready. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay. We got to talk about your golf game. What's your golf game looking like these days? Oh man. I just revamped my whole swing. Cause I had a very nasty, my whole setup with my iron strike, my driver has never been the problem. It's my iron play. So right now <laughs> I'm a 16 handicap and I do play a lot. So I got it. I, once upon a time I was a 12, but I'm, I'm trying to do this new swing change for my iron play that got me back up to 16, but um, which is, you know, for m most average people, that's less than bogey golf. That's, that means you're, you're, you're usually scoring from 80, 88 to 92 uh, on any given day. So, you know, it's enough to get me around most courses, but I do enjoy the game. Uh, as I got older, uh, I needed to find the sport that would kept me outside give me good exercise. I like being outside. And more importantly, it's a sport that I could play on my own or, or with buddies. Yeah. So it allows for that. So, um, and, and um, one of my good friends who I hired, he actually, um, we, we, we started as coworkers. I hired him to be my number two at Western and we became really, really good friends. And we are still today. He got me into golf. So that helped. And yeah, so I, uh, I do enjoy it. Um, yeah, they had a, it's like this morning, I played nine holes this morning. I just, I couldn't, for whatever reason, hit the iron. But on Tuesday, my birthday, I had the round of my life. 
for 16 holes. I won't, let's not talk about hole 17 and 18. But I was on pace to beat my personal record. I was like five over, I was five over through 16 holes, which I never am. Mm. And um, it's not like we're playing from junior teeth. You know, we play, usually we play 6,300 yards. So that's pretty decent for me. I usually like to play from anywhere from 6,300 to 6,500 yards. It was usually my sweet spot. Wow. Wow. Yeah, if I start playing like 6,800 or 7,000, I'm using woods for every par four. So that's not as fun. <laughs> What's the nicest place you've played or maybe a couple places? Uh, I played a lot of nice places. So part of, uh, you know, um, I do like, you know, where I'm frugal by nature. But when it comes to like vacations and destinations, I, I'm not as frugal. So I've, I've been to Pebble Beach twice. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I played, uh, I played both Spyglass, Spanish Bay and Pebble. Um, I actually played Kiowa Island, believe it or not, last uh, two years ago. So that was where the Phil Mickelson just recently won the, the PGA championship. Mm-hmm. So I did play that ocean course and it is as tough as when they say it's tough on TV, it's tough. <laughs> I play Kiowa. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's still a lot more on the bucket list. I turn 50 next year and everyone asked me, what are you going to do? And, you know, I said, well, naturally I'm going to do a huge golf trip. That's awesome. So I uh, don't know which bucket list I'm going to hit yet, but yeah, it'll be a big golf trip next year. That is cool. Though. That is really cool. And, and you follow golf. You t- talked about Nicholson and you watch at least on Sundays a little bit, tune in some of the majors. I do. I do. Uh, I try, I, I, I watch a lot. I, I pretty much I've come down to only watching uh, football and golf on TV nowadays. You know, I, I don't watch, yeah, I don't watch, you know, I used to have fantasy baseball ever since I stopped doing fantasy baseball. I don't really watch baseball. I keep track of the Dodgers, still a Dodgers fan. Um, I uh, zero NBA. I'm, I'm with you ever since <laughs> I stopped working at Western. I don't go to the, I, so I stopped going to Laker games. Kobe retired. After Kobe retired, I pretty much stopped watching all NBA. Yeah, <laughs> so I don't I, watch any NBA. I'm with you. Yeah. It's not that interesting. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit of hockey. I do enjoy hockey, but I, I love hockey. Don't. And I and I was I had on here a taped on tape delay recorded uh, the game six of the uh, Montreal Vegas semi. I did see that Montreal did win here in overtime. So they are going uh-huh. to Stanley Cup final. So you can uh-huh. uh, you said you did you say you I had already purchased game seven tickets. So uh, for my birthday, my birthday was this past Tuesday. So we're recording on June 25th. I'm not sure when you're going to publish this, but my birthday was on June 22. So I was going to go to Vegas for my birthday. My, one of my close friends, the, the one that got me in the golf, Brad, um, he lives out there. He works out there full time now. So we're going to go play around the golf um, over there by his house. But yeah, I had bought tickets for Saturday night in case there was a game seven. Wow. Well, there isn't, but uh, yeah, that, that would be cool. I got to see a, a Kings game in Vegas last year. Oh man, that place is awesome. Great yeah. arena, great fans. Just a, that's a, that's one great time. Yeah. They, they did a really good job with that arena, that T-Mobile arena. Oh man. Yeah. Really cool. Um, well, kind of, I guess in closing here, kind of on the golf, on the golf note, I didn't prep you for this, but uh, I have often heard this question asked to a few different people. And I thought, man, that's a good question to ask people, especially those who are really into golf. If you could have a golf foursome, and if you want to add people, that's fine. But if you could play golf with three others or however many, uh, whoever, however many you want to pick, who would it be? It could be someone 
from, you know, who's no longer with us. It could be someone, uh, anybody. I mean, who, who would it be if Dave Joe could p- play golf anywhere with any group of people? That is a great question. I've heard you ask that question before. I've never, I think about it at the time, but I really haven't gotten much to think about it. So yes, this is not rehearsed. I would say Coach Strain, because mm-hmm. Coach Strain is actually a really good golfer. Um, John Wooden. Ooh. I would love to play with John Wooden. And the fourth. Ooh, who would round out my foursome? I would probably say, and this will be a tough one. Because now you got like you only have one share left. Yeah. <laughs> like you got like you don't wanna like you don't wanna leave anyone out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you can have a second uh, card of guys, who knows? Yeah, maybe a oh, that's even a better little little scramble. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Only because you always want to know. I always am infatuated with who's really running the government. Is it a cabal or is it just <laughs> so I <laughs> so only because of that, I'm like, I just all fascinated with what's what's really going behind the scenes of the White House. So I probably would say someone like Ronald Reagan. Like you tell me the truth. Like we all know Nancy, like you know, probably ran the thing, but tell us what we don't know. <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. Oh man. Well, that is a great. I know you've golfed with coach drain quite a bit and, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's really cool, man. Well, uh, yeah, you play quite a few times, right? Uh, a week. Yeah, I do. I do, uh, at nine holes on the weekdays, uh, and then 18 holes on the weekends, but I, I do an early morning. See, that's mm-hmm. the trick. So that's it's part of the reason why I joined a, a membership is, is access to morning tea times because public is actually very difficult to get morning tea times. That's when everyone wants to play. And uh, with a membership, I could get the morning tea times and the pace of play is really fast. So we get done in three and a half hours, whereas most people go public, it's four and a half, five hours. We get done in three and a half and I tee off at 6.30, 6.45. So even on the weekends, I, I'm done by 10.30. That's so I got the whole day. That's insane. Yeah, that early early morning, that is, that is a great time, especially on the yeah. golf course. Well, oh, nothing more relaxing to me than, you know, I'm drinking my coffee walking down that first fairway mm. the sun, with the sun mm. popping up. You're, oh, like, you got that. That is beautiful. <laughs> well, well, Dave, uh, I really appreciate you doing this. I have bugged you a long time and you, you uh, found time for me. So I really appreciate that. You're a busy man doing a lot, uh, golfing, and of course your job. So a happy belated birthday. We look forward to your 50th next year. Enjoy your last year in your forties, my friend. I will. I will. 50s, the new 30. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, we'll get to see about Pete Clark and Rod Bazuzzi and anybody else you have in mind, man, throw them my way. This has been so much fun and I really appreciate it, Dave. All right. Good job, man. Keep it up, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening too. All right. Take it easy. Take it easy. Bye Dave. Bye. Wow, well, that was a lot of fun recording with Dave Joe here uh, here in late June, but this will probably be out in uh, July at some point. But man, what a guy! What a great football player! What a great uh, guy! What a great man! Just as a great supporter and contributor to Real Hondo Prep Athletics. Some funny stories. Some just uh, just I can't I can't say it enough. That was it really was a lot of fun. So thank you to Dave Joe, and uh, yeah, looking forward to more more people coming on as we like to do on Fridays here have a nice long form conversation and it can be about anything could be about high school sports could be about career path 
you know, just life's journey is what uh, I like to look at it as. So thank you for the continued support from the loyal listeners out there. And again, looking forward to uh, some real Hondo prep football in the, in the fall and also uh, just more podcasts like this chatting with some friends and catching up. So guys, thank you for listening to this edition of the get home safe podcast. Have a wonderful weekend as we are here in the middle of summer and uh, you know, things are looking up, things are looking up uh, in a lot of different areas. So have a great weekend, have a great summer, but guys, as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or round in third base, get home safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. We greatly appreciate the support. We know we have a lot of loyal listeners out there, but we always want to keep people informed of the many ways to follow the Get Home Safe podcast. We have various social media platforms. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. There's plenty of ways and options to listen to the get home safe podcast anchor helps distribute our podcast to places like apple spotify google and many more we also have a youtube channel that is brand new for us not a whole lot of content on there yet but we're going to try to put out more and more video episodes in going forward as well as short clips here and there regarding uh, big events that happen uh, over the course of time. So lots of options out there, guys. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, offer uh, some suggestions or content uh, topics, or uh, just ask us some random questions. We always appreciate that. I know Bill Barnes does, especially on Wednesdays. So uh, looking forward to continue to bring you great episodes here on the Get Home Safe podcast on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Guys, have a great rest of the week. And as always, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.